Welcome to Worth Their Weight in Gold and part two with Terry Chigwidden and a sincere thanks to everyone who's been listening so far. Hope you had a great Christmas and let's hope 2023 is absolutely amazing. In part two with Terry, we talk about his son, Jonathan, and the challenge for the entire family living with autism. And Jonathan, by the way, celebrated his 34th birthday recently. Terry posts some beautiful videos on social media. If you get the chance, check those out. His Instagram is Terry Chig, and I feel like the videos should be watched by a lot more people to gain an insight as to what it's like to live with autism. We also talk about the moment that his life changed forever when he was hit by a young driver when he was out riding for an Ironman triathlon. And that's where the episode starts. I asked Terry how many Ironman events he's raced in. Uh, six, six Ironmans now. And well, the first one, you've got to tell the story. Like, I think you spent 25 minutes in transition, <laughs> yeah, 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 just yeah. shaking hands and kissing babies. Yeah, then, you thought, a... then you thought you'd go out for a 200k ride. <laughs> yeah. 180, to be yeah, exact. Yeah. I was just so excited to be there, you know. And just had a smile on my face. You know, because I'd, um, I'd seen these Ironmans and I'd actually filmed a couple of Ironmans on the back of a motorbike. Not a swimmer, of course. And I was inspired by um, a couple called Rick and Dick Hoyt. Dick was the father and, and Rick was the son. And um, Yeah, this is a great story. And uh, Rick had was born with cerebral palsy and the family was told to lock him away. You know, so he's never going to do anything. Dick used to take him out for, for runs in his wheelchair and, and one day Rick just said, you know, I really f- feel freedom when I get out here and we're running, you know. So Anna just... Snowballed from there, they started doing Ironmans and I saw a video and, and one of the quotes, you know, say the voice, you know, the voice of those Ironman documentaries back in those days, not sure who it was, but just a great voice, you know, one of the quotes that he says, um, says and Rick, Rick said, Dad, can we do an Ironman? And, and the quote was, and Dad said, yes. Yeah. And uh, I just felt, you know, with our son Jonathan, I felt, you know, that I probably couldn't take him on an Ironman to do one, but I could do it for him, you know. and and I just felt um, that quote, and Dad said yes, you know. Yeah, because too often we say no. Yeah, yeah, and how could I not give it a go anyhow? You know, I'd never, each Ironman I do, I don't think I'm going to finish <laughs> at the start, especially during the swim. You know. You've seen me swim, yeah, and uh, it's not good. But you run like a gazelle. No, uh, not anymore. It's a good quote, isn't it? Because a lot of the time you're just so quick to say no. kind of try to remind myself, when my wife asked me to do anything, now, she'll laugh at this, but quite often I think, just say yes. <laughs> say yes, regardless of what it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that might change the world in some way, shape or form on a micro level. Yeah. I want to talk about the accident. I want to talk about Jonathan. So I'm going to ask you kind of three questions in a row and let's see where it goes. But you're training for the sport you love and you have a devastating, a shocking accident. You're nearly killed by a young driver. So... Are you able to talk about that day and then tell us as well, what did the doctors say when you were in North Shore Hospital? Were you actually lucky? And tell us about the rehabilitation process. And then maybe you could sum it up by saying how you feel about the insurance or judicial process. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good Friday, 2018. Met with some good friends, Kevin Andrews, the number one Terrigal trotter, Graham Davis and his son Mark. And we rode from Terrigal up to Swansea, and beautiful day, clear, sunny, coming back, just all single file, you know, paying all the rules, being abused by drivers <laughs> along the way. 
And yeah, we got to Tawoon Bay and um, just where all the, the shops are. Tawoon Bay Road meets Bay Road, uh, that intersection there. Just went along there and Graham was in front and a car made a right-hand turn into Tawoon Bay Road, just missing, like cut right in front of him. And Graham screamed at him and I looked at him and thought, what an idiot. By the time I looked back, there was a second car and uh, she just cleaned me up. I just... I clearly see the car coming for me. Not quite sure. I remember the impact, and they're not sh- quite sure what happened then. Mark, who was behind me, said I just uh, flew over the bonnet, hit the windscreen, bike still connected, then ended up in the gutter, just uh, lying there. Uh, people came from everywhere because the coffee shops across the road, uh, surrounded. I thought oh, I just want to get out of here. <laughs> you know, I just. And I says I can do this. And I was I remember saying to myself, I can do this. I can, I can get up and let's just keep going. I, I, I want to get out of here. But Mark, young Mark, who's Graham's son, was a builder and done all his first aid. Came over, grabbed my head, said, "Don't move." I said, "Mark, my neck's killing me. Can you take my helmet off?" He says, "No, can't take your helmet off." And then, you know, it seemed pretty quick. The ambos turned up, told Mark he'd done a great job. You know, if he had to take my helmet off, would have just died suffocated in front of him because it the part where the vertebral was broken that part of the spinal cord operates your breathing and it would, i just would have suffocated in front of him so yeah he um he just did a fantastic job young builder uh done his first aid and then you know the ambos stabilized my head away i went went to gosford not sure how long i was there then sort of <laughs> woke up in Woke up in Royal North Shore. Uh, I remember asking the Ambos for a green whistle. <laughs> he said, oh, you've already got sort of morphine going into you, but I can give you one if you want. <laughs> got there and was surrounded by this wall of people, you know, sort of all with notebooks and folders and clipboards and prodding me and poking me and, and you know, x-rays and MRIs and... And then, yeah, went through that whole process. It was pretty quick, uh, just in and out in five days. You know, I wanted to stay longer because I felt <laughs> felt really comfortable there. It's beautiful, Royal North Shore, nice view over the city. But, yeah, they needed the beds, so came home. We had to get a hospital bed at home, and Jenny had to do all the care. Um, I couldn't get in and out of bed, so we had to get one of those beds that raise, the back raises up so I could get in and out. But, yeah, towards the end of... That sort of process, I went down and, and the guy said, you know, great result, you know, everything's good, just one one or two problems that my C2 had fused to my C3. So he said, you'll be sort of in constant pain and, um, you know, you have limited head movement. And, yeah, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it's just been a process from there, just sort of sometimes, you know, I don't notice the pain and other times I think I'm so over this. Uh, and I've never been one for popping pills or... I've sort of had more Panadol and Nurofen in the last four years than I had in my whole life. Were you close to being in a wheelchair? Uh, yeah, I would have been, you know, if Mark had taken my helmet off, probably, and I'd survived, I would have been Christopher Reeve style with the thing into the... Tracking? Throat, tracky, yeah, tracheotomy and, and you know, stuck in a wheelchair. And, you know, it would have been, Jenny would have been... So you owe so much to the first responder. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, and... Not that I've done one myself, but I'd recommend first aid 
Actually, I did do one years and years ago, but I should do a refresher. What about part four of my question about then you've got to go through the minefield of insurance and also did this go to court? Was there some kind of judicial process and what were your thoughts around that? Yeah, one of the, one of the things that sort of annoys me most was that I was in North Shore Hospital and a guy rings and says, oh, hi, it's a wiring police here, just checking what you're up to. I says, oh. And, uh, you know, the conversation continued on. He says, oh, well, you know, you um, can't be too bad. You've been discharged from hospital. I says, yeah, I've been discharged from hospital. I'm in Royal North Shore with a broken neck. And uh, and I started to get a bit agitated. And and he sort of started, ooh, ooh, yeah. <laughs> okay, better go. You know, sort of took off. And I thought, that was weird. Anyhow, my daughter called Wyong Police and said, you know, you know, I was a bit upset you know, by it. And um, they said, we didn't call. Oh, <laughs> my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> and uh, so it was obviously one of her friends or it might have been the guy who was in the first car, you know, who I think should have been booked, you know, because she was tailgating him and they were sort of racing through to Wind Bay streets. But, uh, yeah, the process... Uh, it was a bit painful. You had so many forms and had to go and see doctors and, and neurosurgeons and all these other people all the time just to keep insurance happy when really, you know, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> you know, I didn't ask for this process mm. to happen. Yeah, you probably got strong opinions on the relationship between motorists and cyclists. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably shouldn't go there. <laughs> yeah. Can I talk to you finally? I want to talk about your son, Jonathan. So you've posted some beautiful videos. Can you tell our audience about him? Probably the, the best and the worst thing, you know, combined, you know, because um, I had two daughters and, um, you know, I sort of really want a son. You know, so, and we had the son and, well, I was, still remember that moment when the nurse said, it's a boy. You know, I didn't even think to look at the time, you know. And the nurse said, it's a boy. And I thought, what? <laughs> you know, and, you know, my heart just exploded and and just the greatest moment. Yeah, and, you know, sort of took him home and did all the things that you do and just, you know, loved having this little boy with my two, you know, I love my two daughters too, but, but having this boy was, you know, something special. And, um, yeah, and as time went on, we thought things aren't progressing, you know, the way they should and, Maybe we should get him checked. And yeah, so he's diagnosed with um, severe autism. You know, they were pretty brutal in those days. Like this is 30, yeah, 32 years ago and they were pretty brutal in there, you know, when they tell you what they think. <laughs> they said, oh, you know, he'll never tie his shoelaces, he'll never do this, he'll never do that. And, and we're just sort of a young couple with a, two daughters and, a, and now a young son. And I remember just sitting on the lounge room floor at home just in silence, you know, <laughs> you know, what do we do from here? Because back in those days, like autism was one in 10,000. Um, now the, the spectrum's broadened a lot, but Jonathan was fairly severe. So, we, yeah, we just sort of thought, oh, well, let's go for it. And we sort of decided early that, you know, we would keep him with us as long as we could. That was part of my reason for taking up Ironman, was mm. try and stay healthy and, and be there for him as long as we could. You know, he's still at home. 
you know, he goes out with a carer sort of four days a week. But yeah, it's been it's been tough. You said to me once, I still remember vividly, you said that you've felt guilt over the years about, you know, Jonathan is all-consuming compared to your two beautiful daughters. Yeah. And yeah. that even included the the dinner table. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, poor, um, poor Vanessa, the, the middle child, the youngest daughter. Her voice used to really set Jonathan off. He'd just start screaming if she talked, uttered one word, just start screaming and bashing things. And um, Vanessa didn't complain. She just sort of adapted. She would eat dinner under the table just to be with us, you know, at the dinner table. Has that changed? Oh, yeah, she got married and moved. (laughs) (laughs) But what about the relationship? And when the doctors said all these things Jonathan wouldn't do, can he now do some of them? Uh, They were pretty close to the mark. I sort of think it was brutal at the time, but honest assessment. Tez, has society changed or do people still have no understanding, little patience or empathy around autism? Uh, I think it has changed. There's still a few. Because he looks looks 100%, you know, that does sociably unacceptable things, you know, in, in public, like we... Because he can't talk um, to show if he doesn't like anything, you know, he would just drop the duds, you know. So <laughs> yeah, you know, sort of bring out the tackle and and you know, saying, you know, I'm not happy with this. Normally, you know, it's to do with noise or a dog, terrified of dogs. Um, and you know, he'll he'll do things, and people will freak out and start, you know, abusing us. You know, there was one occasion at Tuwin Bay again. <laughs> it's a bad spot for me. Uh, it was a rainy day, and you know he. We have to take him to the beach every day. He loves the beach. And so we take him to the beach every day and it was pouring with rain, got to Tawoon Bay and Jonathan jumps out of the car you know, before we had a chance to do anything, right? parked up the top, jumps out, out of the car, just takes a leak. <laughs> there was one couple like in the grass area back there and uh, the guy just freaked out, you know, just started abusing us and said, oh, I'm really sorry, mate, my son's... Got a severe disability. He's not effing disabled. Where's his effing wheelchair? You know, sort of all this sort of stuff. And um, and yeah, that's that was a long time ago. And I think things have changed. As I say, there's still a few occasions, but I think kids, you know, because they're now going to school with special needs kids, um, they're a bit more empathetic and they recognise when things aren't right. I think we're yeah. in good hands with the young generation that are coming through. I do a lot of work in the schools and I see their love and compassion and acceptance. Yeah. Well, one example, John was at Henry Kendall High School in the special unit there. A special shout-out to Steve Bennett, great guy who was principal there in those days. Fantastic guy. He's now at uh, Grammar. But, yeah, they had an athletics carnival at uh, Mingara, you know, and someone said, oh, do you think John will want to go in the uh, 400? He's yeah. quick. Yeah, he's quick. <laughs> he's been known Actually, to take off. Yeah, in those days he was like the chronic absconder. And I thought, <laughs> and I think, yeah, he'll be great at this. And uh, so yeah, race starts, and John didn't like the crowd, so he thinks, "Play this, I'm going outside the fence." <laughs> <laughs> so he goes outside the fence, sort of around the perimeter. You know, everyone's finished, and John's still you know, chugging around the perimeter <laughs> of the fence. Then comes back in and finishes on the track, and the crowd went nuts. Like, and it was really nice. It was just sort of one of the greatest moments that. All the kids, you know, just stopped and um, applauded him, and and it was the same when he received his HSC, you know, like, and uh, they just said his name, and the crowd went nuts. And there's a movie that 
Mr. Holland's Opus that I'm sure you've probably seen. And yeah. quite often, I even had this conversation with some friends the other night at the Danica Clark Foundation. And you think, well, maybe what you're doing, and I think this could apply for you, your great symphony is what you're doing with Jonathan. Yeah. yeah do do I, you ever feel that way? Oh, I think, um, you know, that's why I like to, to post the videos and that. I don't want him to be the invisible man. You know, I want, want you know, people to know that he's around, you know. He, he's, we're not locking him away or hiding. They, they should be watched by millions of people. Yeah. So that they can get an insight into what it's like to deal with day to day. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, if I posted the, the real stuff, <laughs> you know, the, like. It'd be hard to watch. Nut, yeah, it would be hard to watch. Like the nuts and bolts, he's a lot better now, but. Yeah, you know, all the bushwalks and the, and the beach and mm. um, the good stuff. Uh, yeah, just like I don't want him to be, as I say, the invisible man. We also haven't mentioned on this podcast and uh, we're starting to get the wind-up from our producer. Can you believe that in the man cave? Hey. We still haven't mentioned uh, the love of your life. Yeah, well, she's, um, she's been incredible in the process of living with, with uh, severe autism. Um, she's just... Guided us through how to manage Jonathan and how to. I'm sort of a bit nervous taking him to different places, but she'll say, no, no, he's not missing out. Yeah, always been strong like that. No Does she also have great faith? Yeah, yes, she has a, a great faith, and that's helped us both through very challenging times. Like, mm. I can't, can't um, understate how challenging it's been you know, for our daughters and, and for us. Um, mm. And yeah, the faith has sort of helped. Um, there's a scripture that says, I would have lost heart unless I've believed in the goodness of God in the land of the living. And, um, Can you yeah, say that again? Uh, I would have lost heart unless I had believed in the goodness of God in the land of the living. We just sort of both had that on our fridge for a long time. You know, we just look at that. When things had gone super pear-shaped, <laughs> you know, um, that, yeah, that God is good and, and there's, I don't, know, I don't like the word reason for this, but there's a future. This isn't the end. One day we believe that you know we'll see John in his um, perfect state. Like you, uh, Jenny also volunteers a lot. It's part of your DNA. Uh, yeah, yeah, she does a lot of work. She's incredible, really. Just, I say stop. <laughs> stop doing so much, please, please. Because you know, you know, it does take its toll sometimes on, on time and, and effort. She's cared for another family for... 17 years, you know, the son was in, at the autistic school with Jonathan and the dad passed away quite a while ago and he asked Jenny <laughs> to promise to look after his wife and the son. And, you know, true to her word, she did and still does and the mother has passed away now um, and now she's you know, caring for Gareth, who's in a group home, but she looks after all his affairs and, and uh, yeah, but... The work she did with the mum was incredible because she was um, on the spectrum a bit herself. So she she really didn't know how to do anything, didn't know how to use an ATM, didn't know how to shop or cook, never cooked you know, a meal in the whole in their whole married life. And, and Jenny just sort of guided her through, just looked after all her um, you know, official business, mm. and banking. And Jenny won't like it, but she's, she's a saint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Incredible, you know, really what she does. You know, and as I say, the work she does with Jonathan. And she wrote a whole program, you know, to teach Jonathan basics. 
even how to smile and and just sort of things that you wouldn't think you'd need to teach someone. Mm. Hey, just on religion and you being a sports lover, you'd love to see someone like Nicola McDermott coming through that has put religion front and centre as part of her preparation and I think her winning silver in Tokyo is one of the greatest (laughs) moments I've ever seen and I really love the way she goes about her business, particularly in competition. Where yeah. she cheers on everyone, and, yeah. and that's part of the Christian lifestyle, right? That's right. Yeah, and yeah, it was great to see, you know, and just such a, a lovely girl. And yeah, she's put her faith first, I think. And you know, when um, I think Eleanor she won the world champs, didn't she? Yeah, in and, in Eugene, Oregon. Yeah, and you know, I think Nicola was the first to to congratulate her. Yeah, they were great scenes. Yeah, and smashed her own PB. Yeah, goes over two meters. So the second Australian woman to do so. Yeah, and yeah, you know, Nicola could have been couldn't have been happier for her. Yeah, well, it reminded me. I, I did hear from an SAS soldier that said once that if you blow out the candle of the guy next to you, yours doesn't shine brighter. Yeah, and I think that's something that really resonates with me. Yeah. You've got to celebrate everyone's victories. Yeah, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, you know. Weep when others weep and, and be happy for other people. Tez, that's been absolutely amazing, mate. On this podcast, this new podcast, we always finish with who would you say is worth their weight in gold? Uh, I'd say Tony and Kerry Clark. Just uh, inspirational, you know, to to live through a tragedy that they'd lived through and to and just to encourage others to pursue their goals. What, what an amazing journey it's been for them you know, and still continue to do it. You know, you know, you would think maybe five years and, you, okay, that's enough. But yeah, just continuing to do it, what, what an amazing couple. And, uh, yeah, I think when you say that, I think Tony and Kerry, what a fantastic job they've done over the years. And you can't comprehend what they've been through. No, that's right. Just the heartbreak that you deal with and and the positivity to to move over that and to you know, encourage others. That's amazing. Well, Terry, thank you so much for joining me on the brand new podcast, yeah. Worth Their Weight in Gold. Thanks, Steve. It's been an honour and, uh, yeah, all the best with the podcast. That is Terry Chigwinnon, six-time Olympic cameraman, six-time Ironman triathlete, a man who survived a near-death experience in 2018 at Toowoomba Bay, and also the father of a severely autistic son who's just done a remarkable job, along with his wife Jenny, raising a son with autism, Jonathan now 34. And don't forget, if you get the chance, check out Terry's Instagram page. I feel like his videos should be watched by a lot more people around the country about dealing with autism on a daily basis. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Coming up next, a young man who was on track for the Olympic Games in the sport of high jump, and then in a freak accident, dived in front of a car to save his daughter's life. To me, he's an absolute hero on many levels. I can't wait to share his story in the new year. And as we wrap up this year, I'd just like to dedicate this episode to one of our dear friends that we lost this year, and that's Bob Peters. One of the best voices in Australian radio, gone way too soon. Here is a little of Bob's finest work. Hello, my name is Antonio Panteras. The ultimate list of the best of the old with the best of the new. Gladiator. Movies don't come any bigger. Russell Crowe in the Oscar-winning masterpiece. Two tribes, ten survivors. And 
So sending our love to the entire Piz and Grilly family at Christmas. Uh, lots of love to you and your family. Thanks for listening. Take care. And we'll catch you again soon on Worth Their Waiting Gold. <laughs>